0: BB, that's great. Thank you everyone. It's good to see you all to share. <laughs> and uh, you know when I think of that, uh, this is the best restaurant in the world. <laughs> and that's, that's quite a thought, you know, the way the Lord does feed our hearts. Certainly feeding mine in these days more and more, more than, than ever. And uh, when I think of things like, you know, the possibility of a conference in uh, in in Malaysia, because um, we're beginning to, well, the way things fall out to us for 2024 and plans and so on and flights and requests and, you know, our recent trip in Ireland, I must have been there, yes. When uh, when I last spoke uh, to you, um, we were still in Ireland, and it was a precious time to see hearts sometimes coming through. They've been feeding on the devil's cup, some people, been drinking at the devil's cup. You know that Christians can do that. Um, it's not what they're supposed to be drinking, but the devil has many cups. You know, I think that the media is, in many, many cases, one of the devil's cups, and he makes people drink of racism, and he, he presents a cup. And I know that one of the devil's cups to the Lord's people is the cup of disappointment and disillusionment. And people, some of the Lord's people, drink that kind of cup for perhaps many years. I had a conversation with someone, I won't go into detail, who almost like someone who'd been in, uh, in a place of burial Disappointment, sorrow, grief, uh, disappointment with the church. And uh, he'd, he'd been drinking of a cup, and he's just beginning to realize who's been giving him that cup. And uh, I don't know whether you've ever heard of a lady named um, Teresa of Avila. She was a, a lady in Spain and who suffered quite a lot actually she was a nun and one of her famous books written late in her life was called the interior castle and she the castle is is our soul your soul and uh, there's a number of rooms mansions in the castle and the way she puts it is that in one of the lower mansions in the soul of man, you know, there's a, a lot of access earlier on to the, to the enemy. She talks about, uh, how does she put it, um, snakes, serpents, uh, vipers that come and bite the unweary soul, you know, the battleground. So that when we start off in things spiritual and come through some difficulties, uh, the enemy is there. And I use this sort of image of the cup, because, of course, the Lord Jesus, by the Spirit, he says, come and drink my cup. Come and feed on my, the liquid of my heart the milk of my word the the wine that cleanses you know all these things are images and but the, you realize my brethren just how much we are being hit you know and and the, the issue of the testimony and what and what is being hit and my title for this time is, of course, what is your testimony? What is my testimony? So I want to bring out something. I'll give you a, a story to begin with. Uh, you may have heard me say this before. It's about a younger friend of mine, a brother, who is both a musician and a leader uh, in a, an American church in a city <clears throat> that's called Rocket City. The city is called Rocket City. That's the nickname for it because there are vast uh, companies there that deal with um, rockets, uh, space research, and quite a lot of the brothers in the churches actually work for companies like NASA and some of the subsidiaries that help build rockets. And he wrote to me, it was last year, early last year, and he said to me that he was profoundly concerned because people in the company were forcing the employees to attend lectures by unqualified people promoting... <clears throat> left-wing ideology, L, B, G, T, Q, etc., etc. stuff. And they were being forced by unqualified people who don't know what they're talking about, just causing the people in the company to drink of this foul cup of poison. And he was concerned, and he wrote to me about it, and he said, I think I will have to do something about it. I don't know what to do. And I wrote back to him and I said, my brother, yes, you must bear testimony. You must bear testimony. And uh, you probably ought to try and gather the high ups in the company, request a meeting with them and bear testimony and so it happened that a few months later we arrived in his city and it just so happened that we were staying in their home and with their church for the first weekend and it was a Thursday, and I noticed, as we arrived, how down he looked, how his face was sorrowful. And I said to him, what's wrong? And he said, I had my meeting yesterday with the big bosses. And he said, I realize I made a mistake. And so tell me about it. And he he said, well, I began the wrong way. He said, I said to the big bosses, all these lectures that you are insisting that we go to, these things are upsetting the Christians. And the big boss man said, oh no, we're not upsetting the Christians. Only some of you, only some Christians, only some. And he said, I realize I made a mistake. I wasn't clear. What should I have said? And he'd been thinking about it. And he said, I realize I should have said, you are moving contrary to the word of the Son of God, of Jesus. What Jesus said. What Jesus said. I should have borne testimony to Jesus. And to us and he didn't put it exactly in these words but he realized something very important because so many people if you ask them to give their testimony they will talk about some healing they had they will talk about some experience that might be very wonderful that happened 20 years ago they might talk about, and just use the word, yes, I'm a Christian. And I'm partly provoked to speak along this line because I was doing a men's meeting. Earlier this week in another part of England, I drove up there to do this men's meeting. And I'd been thinking about the issue of testimony for quite some time and at the end of the meeting and i hadn't spoken about testimony or anything like that one of the younger men who happens to be uh, a lecturer in philosophy and theology who was in the meeting he just suddenly came out of the blue and he said i realize that church has been giving not an incomplete testimony he said i realize i am a son of god and that is my testimony i am not a son of adam i am not a son of china i am not a son of england i am not a son of oxford he's just going to go back to do yet another course in oxford university to beef up all his qualifications I'm not a son of. I am a son of God. I am a son of God. That's my testimony. What do you think, Bernard? And I said to him, "Well, uh, I've been thinking about these very things, and I, you're right. You're right. And you know that as soon as you arrive." at the word testimony i would i would ask you uh, <clears throat> there's a there's a a book in the bible which of course is the book of the revelation right at the end and if you turn to it you will find there some very very distinct verses where john is seeing the great warfare that is going on in the context of the unfolding of history as we know it. And the book begins, doesn't it, with uh, the words of the Lord, where if we were to begin to read in chapter 1, of the book of the Revelation, you know, you read in the second verse. So we'll just begin at chapter 1, verse 1. The revelation of Jesus Christ, which God gave unto him to show unto his servants things which must shortly come to pass. And he sent and signified it by his angel unto his servant john who bear record of the word of god and of the testimony of jesus christ that's what john says who bear record of the word of god and the testimony of jesus christ and thus is introduced one of the major themes of the book of the revelation that uh, the testimonies the testimony of the beast the testimony of the dragon uh, they're going to appear a little bit later on but here is the central theme where the testimony of Jesus Christ. What does Jesus say about himself? What does he say about himself? What is Jesus' testimony? And <clears throat> I begin to read down. And uh, I come down in chapter 1, and verse 4, John, to the seven churches that are in Asia, grace to you and peace from him who is, and who was, and who is to come, and from the seven spirits, who are before his throne and from Jesus Christ, the faithful witness, the firstborn from the dead and the ruler of the kings on earth. There's Jesus. So you've got the Trinity there, haven't you? Uh, you've got the, the wonderful Father, He's not called the Father, but grace and peace from him who is the origin of all things, the fount of all things. He who is, who was, and who is to come. That's the Father's testimony. That's who he is. Testimony is to do with who you are. Uh, before it is anything to do with what has happened to you. The new birth is a means. The baptism in the Spirit is a means. The gifts of the Spirit are means. Uh, the new birth is a means by which... You are birthed from above. It changes what you are, what I am. It changes my lineage. It is God's affirmation that he gives you his DNA, if I may put it that way spiritually. He begets you again. He changes what you are. The baptism in the Spirit, if you want to use that terminology, immerses you in another spirit. Formerly, you were living a testimony that you were a son of Adam, fallen, sinful, defeated, selfish, hating, departing from God, it changes you. It, 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 it gives you another spirit from heaven, who you are. And, uh, you know, it's wonderful when I look at this verse 4, everything begins with the Father, and then you've got the seven spirits, the perfect Spirit, the Holy Spirit, the Spirit who comes to us in sevenfold form, so full, so rich, so wonderful ah and they are before the throne and then from jesus christ the faithful witness the firstborn from the dead so jesus is the authentic true witness to the father to what it means to be truly human. Jesus is the faithful witness. <clears throat> and as I go down through, you know that um, to him who loves us, verse three, it's from Jesus Christ, the faithful witness, the firstborn of the dead, the ruler of the kings, on earth, listen to this that who he is, who he is, he's the ruler of the kings on the earth. How we need to hear his testimony uh, rushing into our hearts in the churches. He's the ruler of the kings on the earth, that's who he is. It's not what he's trying to be, he's the ruler. Of the Bidens and the, you know, every one. He's the ruler. That's what he is. It's not that he was and he's departed from it for a while now. He's, it's what he is. And to him who loves us and freed us from our sins by his blood and made us a kingdom this is who we are what what we are comes out of who he is and what he is emerges in what he's done and hallelujah he loves us and has freed us from our sins by his blood. Let's get this absolutely clear. Who are you? Who am I? I am someone who is loved by God, by his son. I am not only someone who is loved, but someone who, when I didn't have a clue about it, he loosed us, he loosed me from my sins. Now, the enemy will lie to you about this as long as he can get your attention. As for as long as you will listen to him, he will lie to you and say, no, you're still in your sin. You're doomed to continue sinning. He will lie to you about it. He will lie to you about it, even using scripture. Oh, no, no, it's just positional. Uh, you know, you, you, you know, it's just he's he's done it uh, kind of forensically. But as far as changing you, transforming you, delivering you, the enemy is a liar from the beginning. He will oppose the faithful testimony. Of the faithful witness, Jesus. He loves us and He has freed us from our sins by His blood, and He has made us into a kingdom, priest to His God and Father. That's what He has done. This is a fundamental part of our testimony. Who are you, Bernard? I am a priest. Jesus has made me into a true worshipper, a priest unto his God and Father. Uh, hallelujah. A kingdom, priests, to our God, worshipper indeed, hallelujah, and <clears throat> this is what he's done, praise the Lord, Priest to his God and Father, to him be glory and dominion forever and ever. Have you given this testimony? Do you tell the enemy your testimony when the whisperer comes with all his lies? This is, you know, we used to sing a, an old chorus. I'm a new creation. That's what I am. Old things are passed away. I've been born again more than a conqueror that's what i am i'm a new creation i'm a brand new man and it used to go on like that but born again there's always but there's really been a change in me born again just like jesus said born again all because of calvary I'm so glad that I've been born again. But it's I am. I am. I'm a new creation. That's what I am. And, uh, you know, this is how Jesus speaks. And he says in verse 8, I am the Alpha and the Omega, says the Lord God, who is and who was and who is to come the Almighty. That is the Lord God speaking. Is that the Father? <coughs> yes, it seems to be. Who was and is the all to come the Almighty. Quite remarkable. When you, you you hear God declaring who he is, who he is, who he is, who he is, he was, he's, he's the almighty. And then you go on through the chapter and you find that John is now writing and he's saying, I, John, verse nine, your brother, who share with you in Jesus the tribulation and the kingdom and the patient endurance was on the island called Patmos on account of the Word of God and the testimony of Jesus. Isn't that remarkable? You know, not just the Word of God, I believe in the Bible, I believe in the Bible. But John doesn't say that. Oh, the word of God, the word of God. Only he also says, look, I'm suffering because I have the testimony of Jesus. I've got the testimony of Jesus. Hallelujah. You know, that's, that's why I happen to be on Patmos. For the word of God. I've spoken it. I've preached it. I've taught it but also it's because I'm utterly different. I'm, I'm different to the religious people. Uh, I'm different. I am a son of God. Because you understand that this is what the essence of Jesus' testimony is. He's going to say it to us a little further down. He's going to say it to all the churches the seven churches, because John, whilst he's on Patmos, he hears this voice like a trumpet. Uh, he's commanded that he's got to write down what he sees and hears and hears and sees, and he's got to write it and send it to the seven churches that he was familiar with and through them it was going to be disseminated through uh, into all the church in all the passage of time and uh, he this is what it was all about and he turns to see the voice verse 12 that's like a trumpet and and on turning he says i saw the seven golden candlesticks and in the midst of them one like a son of man you know and there's this long description of this wondrous person whose voice first sounds like a trumpet then his voice sounds you've got the trumpet in verse 10 that's what the voice it was loud it was deliberate it was speaking through trumpets have a penetrating note. They are not a reed instrument. They have a penetrating sound. They have a history in the Old Testament, declaratory, declaring, declaring, declaring. That's the trumpet. And then as John describes what he saw, he finds he comes to the voice, his voice, verse 15, his voice was like the sound of many waters. Puts me in mind of where some of you from Canada nearby where you live, mm-hmm. and you know Niagara, and you go to the falls and you see the Canadian Horseshoe, and you see the American across the way, and you see the atmosphere filled with the freshness uh, as the as the waters have fallen down and sprung up. It's beautiful to go there, especially in the summer. You know where it's hot and sticky, and the atmosphere is changed. The sound of the many waters you get near to Niagara you get out of the car in the parking lot and you can be a mile away and you can hear the sound of these waters they're very beautiful in the wintertime as well when all of this great mist of the of the waters has formed beautiful uh sort of it's frozen in certain ways his voice was so refreshing. His voice was so penetrating, like a trumpet, and then like a refreshing, refreshing. Many waters, always there in the background, like they are in Niagara. And John, verse 17, he falls at his feet as though dead. But he laid his right hand upon me, saying, fear not. And now the testimony begins. Here, here's the testimony of the Son of God. I am the first. Uh, and the last. And the living one. I died. And behold, I'm alive. Forevermore. This is the testimony of the Son of God. I share it. By grace, I share it. This is my testimony. I share part of it. I share it in the lower case i cannot say i am the son upper case i can say i'm a son i can say i am alive forevermore i can say that i can say i share in the life of he who is the first predating all of the pretensions of the devil and of the nations, the pride of China, the pride of America, the pride of the empires, the pride of the British Empire. Jesus says, I'm the first, I'm the last. I, I, I am the last, they shall all perish." See, this is Jesus's clear, straight, wondrous testimony. He's giving it right at the beginning. Don't we need to hear it, my brethren? When all these cups that I alluded to, the devil is proffering, you know the answer, oh, climate change, Jesus says. I was before all climate and I'm after all climate and all the silliness of men and all their arguings and all their polemics and all their politics and all their arguments. I'm before the United States was ever the policeman of the world, a position it's losing now. Before ever there was a middle kingdom. With Beijing. Before ever. There was anything. I'm first. Do You know. I'm of him. This is your testimony. This is who you are. Hallelujah. I died. Part of should be part of our testimony my brethren you know that i died in him he took me into his bosom in his love and he caused that life of mine that was in adam fallen sinful wretched i died and lo in him i i'm alive Forevermore, forevermore. Sounds amazing, doesn't it? But this is this is who we are. I'm alive forevermore. You know, he says I not only am I alive forevermore, he says I have the keys of death <clears throat> and Hades. I don't know how much of that we can share. I do know that the Lord Jesus said to Peter and to uh, the disciples unto you, I give the keys of the kingdom. But it's Jesus who opens and Jesus who locks. Jesus who will shut Death up, cast it. All this is going to be seen in the book of the Revelation because we see death cast into the lake of fire. We see Hades cast into the lake of fire. We see the end of all things. He who opens is also he who shuts. This is who we are are. Ah. Amen. This is the testimony of Jesus. I don't know whether you hear it. Let, let, me, let me take you out of the book of the Revelation for a moment and take you into something that Paul said to Timothy in the first letter. So this is the first letter of Timothy Where, to Timothy that Paul writes. And it's in the last chapter. And hes it's, it's a very interesting and wonderful, consistent thing that as soon as you begin to see this realm of testimony, 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 you see the enemy, the enemy, the enemy contesting the testimony. Did you hear that the phrase I just used? The enemy contesting the testimony. That's what he does. If you're the son of God, do you remember how the enemy came to Jesus after the father had said to him? Do you remember when Jesus was baptized in the arms of John the Baptist? Do you remember how immediately you see the heavens were opened and the father said, this is my son. This is my son in whom i'm well pleased this is my son not this is an apostle not this is a prophet not this is a preacher not this is uh, another of the prophetic line this is my son that's what the father said he never said that before and immediately jesus is led driven by the Spirit of God to be tested of the devil. And the devil comes and the first words out of the devil's mouth are, if you are the son. There it is. If you are the son, turn the stones into bread. Do this. Do that. If you are the son. Abuse your powers. Use your liberty. Do as in your timing. Do it all. <laughs> Jesus says, you you get behind me now. You know. He didn't say exactly those words. But if you're the son, God has said you're son. Do you see that that is the amazing confrontation that the devil has with you by different means, the poison that he comes and he'll contest who you are, what God has made you in Christ and by his Spirit. So that here you've got Paul writing to Timothy and in the sixth chapter of the first letter that he wrote to him, he's talking all about those that are rich. Uh, verse 9, who they desire to be rich. I hope you'll notice that, the desire to be rich. He says they they fall into temptation, into a snare into many senseless and hurtful desires. I hope you're all noticing this. You're a son of God. Let not sons of God uh, exercise their desires to be rich. It's perilous. You lead yourself into many trouble. Be so content with such things as you have. You know, they plunge men. For the love of money is the root of all evils. It is through this craving that many have wandered away from the faith and pierced their hearts with many pangs. But as for you, man of God, shun all this. Shun all this. What else should they shun? You know, in the old King James, it says, flee. It says, flee. Mm-hmm. You know, it's a good word. Flee, run away from that stuff. Run right away from it. You know, it's, if you want a nice little sermon, you know, flee. And then you could uh, have a look at this verse 11 flee these things and then you could see the next word in verse 12 fight fight and somewhere down there I can't put my eye on it I'm just looking at my old King James you'll find it says follow somewhere flee fight follow if you like, sort of words that begin with the same letter, <laughs> someone have a sermon on that one, you know, but it's, it's amazing. What else should he flee from? What else should he shun? Well, here's some stuff to shun. He says, uh, don't get wrangling, verse five. Don't get arguing about words and disputes verse four don't don't get into all that get into the realm of sons which is contentment don't you just be content end of verse eight now don't get in to this frustration dissatisfaction this contention now many you know i i'm thinking of some of these so-called prophets that are prophesying nowadays and they are encouraging dissension you must be pro israel you must or you must not you know the, this and that and the other and they're getting into the realm of polemics political realm there is a place deeper where you're in jesus christ but anyway flee these things he says verse 11 aim at righteousness verse 11 godliness faith love steadfastness gentleness aim at those things Aim at them. These are the basics where we go wrong. And then he says in the 12th verse, fight the good fight of faith. I met someone this week who I listened to him bear his testimony about what he's doing. And I have to say... I don't know whether he's fighting the fight of the faith of what it means to be a true son of God or whether he's fighting for a point of view that's antagonistic to a section of the church that's pointing out its faults all the time I don't know whether he's fighting the good fight of faith take hold on eternal life. You know, these, these words are so penetrating. What kind of life am I trying to take hold of? What life are you taking hold of, Canadian life? Malaysian Christian life? Are you taking hold of Pentecostal life? Or am I taking hold of eternal life? And what does that, what are the implications of that? How do I take hold of eternal life? Well, I'll say this to many a young man, many a preacher. I could say this, close your computer down, stop trying to beef up your sermon, from your computer and get all your points. Put your commentaries away and get there before God and wait upon him who is the eternal one. Feed upon his presence. Take hold of eternal life. Spend more time with him. I'm thinking of a very precious brother. I won't mention his name. I wrote to him this morning. I had a communication eight days ago. He'd been rushed into hospital. He's 60 years old. He's such a loving brother. He has labored. He has served. He has a pastoral heart. He has been hurt. He's been damaged. And, but he's served and served and served and served and loved and loved and loved. And he's rushed into hospital at 60 years old with heart, heart, heart. Serious problems with his heart. And of course, I wrote to him through the week and he managed to give me a couple of lines text on Tuesday or Wednesday. And then I wrote again to him today. How are you? Are you home? What has happened to you? And uh, he said to me, he replied a few more lines this time. And he said, I am back home. I am not in the church. I am home here quiet. I have damage in my heart. My physical heart is damaged. I need to be rehabilitated. I need rest, rest, rest. And I wrote back to him and I said, turn this forced rest into a time where your inner spiritual heart feeds on the eternal life of God, where the Lord will feed your inner man in ways you have never known before, where, the, where he will take you deeper than you have ever been before, so that in his grace he might bring you out of this present distress with a deeper word, a richer word, a greater faith. Fight the fight of faith. Lay hold of eternal life to which you were called, my brother. You were not called primarily, my brethren, to be missionaries. You were not called to... I was not called primarily to be a preacher. I was not called for that. My primary calling is called to... Uh, lay hold of the life eternal that is deeper than all the noises of men. Don't you realize? I realize it more and more. The, the whole world is a great construct which is a massive illusion. The whole world lieth in wickedness. It is one great big lie. It is pretentious. America is pretentious. China is pretentious. Islam is pretentious. Everything around about us is pretentious. It's pretending to be the answer to everything. And it is not. It is not. Our testimony is that he is the truth. And that's what you come to now, where Paul says, uh, fight the good faith. Take hold of the eternal life, verse 11, to which you were called when you made the good confession in the presence of many witnesses. Isn't that great? Paul is referring Timothy back to his early beginnings. In the presence of many witnesses, he made a good confession. Verse 13, in the presence of God who gives life to all things and of Christ Jesus, who in his testimony, in his testimony, before Pontius Pilate, made a good confession. So he takes us back to Jesus. Jesus making this good confession, bearing his testimony uh, before Pontius Pilate. And so I must go back, mustn't I, to John 18. I must see what Jesus said to, in the face of the representative of the most powerful empire in the world and that had ever existed. What did Jesus say? Pilate was the representative of that empire, and so it is the king speaking to the representative of the Caesar, Pilate. Verse 33 of John 18, John 18, verse 33. Pilate entered the praetorium again and called Jesus and said to him, Are you the king of the Jews? Jesus answered, Do you say this of your own accord, or did others say it to you about me? Pilate answered, Am I a Jew? Your own nation and the chief priests have handed you over to me. What have you done? Jesus answered, my kingship is not of this world. If my kingship were of this world, my servants would fight, that I might not be handed over to the Jews but my kingship is not of this world. Here's his testimony. Pilate said to him, so you are a king? Jesus answered, you say that I am a king? For this I was born, and for this I have come into the world to bear witness to the reality i've added that word i've changed the word truth and i've given you its true meaning in the greek language i have come into this world to bear witness to what is absolutely real reality aletheia in the greek language what is absolutely real? I am here to bear witness. This is why I came into the world. Yes the issues, not so much as to whether I am a king, but that I am here as a witness. And this is my testimony. And I'm speaking to you, Pilot, as representative of this false empire that you believe in, that you follow, the cultures, the norms of it, that you chase after, you're trying to sustain. Oh, this is the world. This is, this is my kingdom. My kingdom is not of this world. This was the good confession that Jesus bore and that's why they killed him. They will not kill you if you just say you're a Christian. No. Unless you're living like a son of God who will not kowtow there's a bit of Chinese for you, a bit of Mandarin, who will not kowtow to the ways of the world. Where you, when push comes to shove, bear the testimony. I don't know. My friend, this week who stirred me to speak to you this way or confirmed to me, this man who's going back to Oxford to do yet another degree, he said to me, I've never said, he said, when I've been challenged, I've never said, I'm a son of God. I'm a son of God. I'm a son of God. I've never said, I have said I'm a Christian, or I've said, oh, the, uh, you, but I've never given that testimony." He said, I realized they'd think I was mad. That's our testimony. I, I'm a son of God. I've been born again into this world. Remarkable, isn't it? Remarkable. If I take you back into the book of the Revelation, and the time is going, and I've got many things that I would like to say, but you know, when when I think of dear Peter, while Jesus is saying I am, <laughs> what's Peter saying? Have you thought about that? He's by the fire. He's warming himself, perhaps only uh, a, a few meters away from Jesus. And he's by the fire and a little girl comes to him. And says to him, the tempter's voice comes through her. You're, you're one of them, aren't you? You're one of them. Do you know what Peter says? I am not. I am not. Three times he says, I am not. So while Jesus is saying, I am. His chief follower is saying, "I am not." I am not." Amazing. Isn't it wonderful that after Pentecost, Peter bore testimony, <laughs> I am. Even you know what tradition says. You know, Kovardis, whither goest thou? where the church has said to Peter in Rome many years later that they're, perse- that they're seeking his life, they're seeking his life and they're encouraging him to leave. We need you alive, Peter. We need you alive, Peter. This is what tradition says. And so he listens to the counsel of people in the church. And he moves away and he's moving around down the Appian Way, away from Rome. And then there's this vision that seems to come to him. And the words of the Lord speak to him in the vision. Quo vadis, whither goest thou? And Peter knew that the Lord was speaking to him. And tradition says he made his way back to Rome. Fully aware that he was a son of God and he was going to be crucified. He was going to lose his life and he did not want to be crucified the same way as Jesus was. So he asked to be crucified upside down. That's what tradition says. I'm a son of God. I'm a son of God. I'm a son of God. You know, you realize that this is the great battleground. Earlier in his life, dear Peter had said, I am not. I don't know him. I don't know him. I don't know him. I think of my young friend in Rocket City. You know who said he made this mistake of saying to the big boss men, you're upsetting the Christians. And the man said to him, no, only a few of you. Thus dividing the Christians, those who just say we're Christians, you're more than a Christian, you're a son of God. That's what you will suffer for. No, I do not do that because I'm a son of God. No, I do not believe that because I'm a son of God. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I go into chapter 12 of the book of the Revelation. Now, and I read all these things. They're quite remarkable in the 12th chapter and you know how there's the dragon he's always there a woman who's pregnant hallelujah pregnant bringing forth a man child into the into the earth and there in front of her is the dragon. The whole chapter is full of warfare, 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 warfare. The enemy contending against what God is doing. God is making a family of sons through his Son. Men and women of faith, men and women of purity, men of women and clarity, men of women of love, the family of God, that is what he's doing. He is not making churches that are Pentecostal. He is not the underlying purpose of everything. He's not making saddlebacks. He's not making, you understand, he's making sons, he's begetting sons sons that will grow up to bear their testimony sons who are they can be female they can be male there are both hallelujah that's what he's doing he's begetting a family to bear testimony unto the reality of who he is amen and the dragon is thrown down out of heaven in this chapter and this is what it says, that the dragon, the devil, and Satan. I'm in the ninth verse of chapter 12. And the great dragon was thrown down, that ancient serpent, same old spirit, same old dragon, same old God-hater, that ancient dragon hasn't changed one iota the deceiver of the whole world. Let the scripture speak to us. The deceiver of the whole world. I mean, the, the truth of these things is so penetrating. I remember conversations with Bibi when she was lecturing under the University of Wollongong and she was... I asked her questions about the whole of the economic world. And I don't remember exactly the way she expressed it, but, you know, the, the manipulation, the power, the, the selfishness, the greed, the lust of, uh, of the high ups in, in economics. I remember her talking to me about Soros and... And uh, these men, just manipulators, the whole world, the whole world, he's the deceiver. And do we say that people are deceived? So I could just get more of this, if I could just get more of that, if I could just get more of the other. I could take you to a room, it comes flashing into my mind in Auschwitz. You know the concentration camp and a man took me there uh, in the very early 90s i'd been there before in the days of communism i've been there often and uh, we walked through one of the barracks and we walked through one of the rooms you can't go into it and it was the room where Mengele used to conduct some of his surgeries and operations and testings, you know, uh, this evil Nazi. And this man who was conducting me through said to me, My uncle was killed in this room with a lethal injection straight into his heart for Jesus' sake, because he was a Pole who had taken in Jews in his house, which, if discovered, would lead to your certain death, and he had been taken in. He was a son of God who loved the alien, <laughs> who took in the stranger. He was a son of God who died for the testimony of Jesus Christ. The deceiver sent forth into the whole world, deceiving Germany through the mouth, pouring out words through Hitler's mouth. And you can go on through. He was thrown down to the earth and his angels were thrown down with him at the end of verse nine. And I heard a loud voice in heaven saying, what a strange word. Now is the salvation and the power and the kingdom of our God and the authority of his Christ have come. For the accuser of the brethren has been thrown down, who accuses them before day and night before our God, and they have conquered him by the blood of the Lamb, by the word of their testimony. For they love not their lives unto the death. You just think of what's central in those three things. They've overcome him. One, by the blood of the Lamb. He's shed his blood. He's loosed us. In his blood from our sins. I am I I'm a son of God. That's our testimony. The word of our testimony. And if needs be, they love not their lives unto the death. They love not their lives. Who am I? What am I? What are you? What are you? They overcame him. They stood before God, you know, and they, they're there, aren't they? And the, the, the accuser's there before the, the throne of God saying, but, 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 and he's cast out. Is cast out from the heavenly regions by the testimony of those who are yet upon earth bearing their testimony unto the Lord. And I go through to the end of the chapter. And when the dragon saw that he'd been thrown down to the earth, he pursued the woman who had born the male child, verse 14, but the woman was given. I love this. Somehow there is flight, liberty, freedom. You know, as long as you are protecting yourself, you know, it's a fearful thing uh, to say, I'm a son of God. I don't do those things. I don't talk that way. We don't gossip in our church. We we don't put up with that sort of thing. We don't, you know, we don't, we don't. Well, I'm a son of God. But, you know, as soon as you liberate the testimony of sonship that's in your heart, you will find that there is some kind of flight given to you, like but two wings. Of a great eagle. You seem to be born up. There's something that liberates you from the imprisonings of anxiety about this world, about what's going to happen in the future, about what's going to happen. You're part of Him who was and is and is to come. Your life is hid with Him. My life, you know, the wings, the serpent, you know that she might fly from the serpent. Glory to God. I really know, surely you know things like this. I can remember, excuse a personal testimony this way, where I was in uh, visiting a church and I had been wrestling with something in my life. I won't go into what it was a long while ago, this is, and I've been wrestling with this thing. And I went to this meeting and I don't know what was preached on. I don't know anything. And I, I just, I, I just responded at the end of the meeting. And, you know, I thought lots of people will be looking at me. What's he doing on his knees? What's he doing on his face? What's he doing there? You know, it was, it was a humbling moment. A humbling moment. And I went down there. And I don't think anybody prayed for me. There was a crowd. I don't know. I don't recall. But in that moment of me bearing testimony to the Lord. To my need of him. For a deeper walk with him. Somehow wings were given to me. <laughs> I was free. You know, in little... Microcosmic ways, are actually a macrocosmic to us. But in in these ways, you were given wings like an eagle. Oh, the liberty from the bondage to be earthbound, 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 circumstance bound, circumstance bound, earthbound, people bound. You know, church bound. Oh, I'm a child of God. Hallelujah. And so the wings are given to the woman and the serpent pours out the water out of his mouth. There they are, another load of words, another load of words, pouring it all out of his mouth. Words, 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 words. And it says that the earth helped then the dragon was angry, verse 17, with the woman and went off to make war with the rest of her offspring, on those who keep the commandments of God and bear testimony, bear witness to Jesus. They bear testimony to Jesus. I hope that you see the connection of these two things. They keep the commandments of God as they bear testimony for Jesus. And we know that the testimony of Jesus is not burdensome. We know that the commandments of God are not burdensome, are they? Not to those who love him. They bear, they bear, Keep the commandments of God. Amen. In this context, remember 666. Don't just think of it as some physical number that's going to be tattooed on you or something like that. Think about the value standards of this 666 world. Everything in the world is six, six, six. It's man, man, man. It's self, self, self. It's race, race, race. It is white, white, white. It is black, black, black. It is Chinese, Chinese, Chinese. In the different forms, it's, it's this, this. All the time, man, 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 man in his pride, educated man, uh, degreed man, man who's been to this college and that college. It means nothing to God at all. Nothing. We keep the commandments of God. What did God say to me? What did the Lord say to me? When vaccination issues came along, I went straight to God, not to a load of websites to analyze. I sought in that thing to keep the commandment of God along with my wife, as he spoke to my heart in the midst of that issue. And so what I did, I did unto God. I did not do unto government. I did not do unto the noise of many voices. Amen. And this is the way I have someone now who's a friend who listened to God as a 58 or 59 year old man. He listened to God. He had cancer. He could have lived on another five or 10 years, possibly, having all sorts of treatments. He listened to God, and having listened to God, he gathered his wife and family around him. And they together listened to God. And as he listened to God, he rejected all the hospital treatment, except agreed with his family that he should take, when the pain got so bad, he should take necessary painkillers. And so at 60 years old, surrounded by a loving family and without regret, who saw him still with his hair on his head, and so on and so forth, he kept the commandment of God as it came to him, that his time was ended, and, that and so he passed on, he passed on. He passed on. He was listening to the commandments of God. Am I making myself clear? I'm just specifying things that are local and specific to you and to me. And uh, thus he bore testimony to Jesus. Jesus is Lord of my life. Jesus is Lord of my family's life. Jesus is Lord. I think of a very dear brother there in Malaysia who was a pastor. And I remember he was approaching 60 years old and he had cancer. And it returned. He had surgery. I won't go into all the story, but I sat in the hospital bedroom with him one day and he said to me, oh, Bernard, pray that the Lord will take me. I can't take any more. <laughs> And I said, I can't pray that. What does your wife say? What does your child say? I can't pray that. You'll have to wait. And then, over the next few weeks, the Lord spoke. The Lord spoke his commandment to the wife, precious lady, to the daughter, precious girl, and said they were to let Dad go. And so, uh, there in the hospital room, in the midst of other people, he, we prayed, take him, take him now, Lord. And the Lord took him home, you see, very quickly, very quickly. And he was released. You know, Keep the commandments of God. Listen to Him. Bear that testimony. You bear testimony to the Lord, to Jesus. Tremendous, tremendous. The enemies going after them. The dragon was angry. Verse seventeen. Read it again. With the woman. And went off to make war on the rest of her offspring, on those who keep the commandments. So surely we understand that in these last days. I would like to know what my business in one may, or what will the Pope say. Will he say, I'm a son of God. I can't bless same-sex unions. I must keep the commandments of God. What will leaders of Hillsong say? Oh, I can't bless same-sex unions. I'm a son of God. I'm a son of God. I can't support Israel killing everybody. I'm a son of God in the kingdom that I know. Jesus says, put up your sword and heals the man with the wounded ear. That's my kingdom. You know, keeping the commandments of God. Think of the American churches. Think of English churches here, where many people are compromising. They keep the commandments of God. That's what we're to do. And bear testimony, I'm a son of God. Sons of God keep the commandments of God. They go the way of the crucified. They bear testimony, even knowing that it's a certainty that they're going to go and be hung hung on a cross. Yea, my brethren, it was the religious leaders that took him there. It was the religious leaders. Dead religion took him there. Compromise religion took him there. And here we are. You see, not my business in one way, but sometimes it, it becomes this intense and specific. Bernard, where are you? Who are you? And I'll close by taking you to one other scripture. I'm sure you Know where it is? Uh, well, perhaps a couple very quickly, but you know when I when I look at chapter three of the book of the Revelation, and I I just notice how Jesus is addressing the church at Laodicea, verse fourteen. This pretentious, self-satisfied church who were lukewarm, you know, nothing burning in them, uh, self-content, dreadful. And I just want you to notice who Jesus says is, is speaking. The words, right in the middle of verse 14, the words of the amen, the faithful, and true witness. The beginning of the creation of God. Faithful and true. That's the, the title that Jesus takes for himself. I'm the faithful and true witness. You make me sick. You half-hearted people. You make me sick. You compromising people, you make me sick. I guess they'd been Christians once upon a time. I guess they'd been born again. I don't know. Once upon a time, I don't know. But they were now proud. And they, do you know there's a pathway, my brethren, to becoming. Phil, Phil. Last night I caught briefly, about ten minutes, along with Hazel, of a of a, a program about a, a, an explorer in eighteen sixty nine. I forget his name, who had for the first time, they he and a group of men went down the Colorado River through the. Grand Canyon, 249 miles or something. Took them three or four months. It was perilous. Some of the men died. No one had ever gone down it before. But one of the things that struck me, and Hazel and I have been to the Grand Canyon and viewed it, it's absolute phenomena. But the thing that struck me is, Lord, isn't it amazing how rivers run <laughs> in valleys, you know, and that the waters of heaven come down, but they run in the humble heart, where hearts have allowed themselves to become humbled and the rivers of God flow in the deep parts of those who humble themselves. The water of heaven coming down upon our hearts and the way for the river to keep running, 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 running. And you and me, humble yourself under the mighty hand of God. And that's what the Laodicean church had not done. They were proud. I'm rich. You say, I'm rich. Verse 17, I prospered. I need nothing. Not knowing that you are wretched, pitiable, poor, blind, and naked. I counsel you. You make me sick. I'm the true witness. That's what he says. I turn you into chapter six. I've still got a few more minutes and I'm going to finish this theme right out as best I can. The lamb opening the seals. And in the twelfth Twelfth verse, chapter 6, verse 12, when he opened the, the, sorry, the fifth seal, verse 9, when he opened the fifth seal, I saw under the altar the souls of those who had been slain for the word of God and for the witness that they had borne. They cried out with a loud voice, O oh, sovereign Lord, holy and true, how long before thou wilt judge and avenge our blood on those who dwell upon the earth? Then they were each given a white robe and told to rest a little longer until the number of their fellow servants and their brethren should be complete who were to be killed as they themselves had been. <laughs> you know, the fifth seal opened. And he saw uh, the souls, and he heard the souls. Uh, it's, it's. I saw under the altar. Amen. You know what fell under the altar, don't you? In the Old Testament, you know what fell under the altar. The, the sacrifices that had been laid upon the altar as they turned into ash along with the wood that helped feed the fire. You know, and I realize there's wood in our lives in the sense of the wood of circumstances, the, the wood of uh, pressures, the wood of difficulties, the wood that comes along in our lives, and we are laid upon it we are laid upon it will we will we be on the brass the brazen altar Will we lay there? Will we burn there? Will we be burned up there? Are we living sacrifices? Because these were, these were living sacrifices, even though they had perished and died for the testimony, the word of God and their testimony. They born testimony. And the ash represents them. And the ash is speaking and the souls of them were speaking the souls of them they cried out with a loud voice pray the souls of those glory to god how long oh just wait a little longer be comforted my people there are others that must be added to the host of those who live for the word of god and suffer even unto the death. And you're not dead, your souls live on. Your souls speak, your souls speak. Glory to God, your souls speak. You're not dead, you're still speaking. <laughs> Wonderful. And you know, don't you, that I go back to chapter one and I look at this. And I see that when he beheld Jesus, look where he's standing, verse 15. His feet were like burnished bronze, refined as in a furnace. There was only one furnace in the Old Testament, in the, in the tabernacle, in the temple. It was that brass altar where the sacrifices, and it burned. It was a furnace, a furnace, a furnace. It was made of brass. And this is where he stands, the living sacrifice, who calls us to bear our testimony in our time. Amen. And some even unto death. Some even unto death. And finally, finally, chapter 19 of the book of the revelation final verse to look at glory to the name of the lord here comes the hallelujah. first time in the new testament you get the word hallelujah 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 four times hallelujah hallelujah yes when everything falls down when Babylon is burned up, where all the pretensions of men come to nothing. Hallelujah! Verse 1 of chapter 19, salvation, glory, and power. Once more they cried, verse 3, Hallelujah! And the 724 elders, verse 4. They say, hallelujah. And then a great host, verse 6, they're crying, hallelujah. All that man has built is ended. The Lord our God, the Almighty reigns. And then it says, and the angel, verse 9, said to me, Write this, Blessed are those who are invited to the marriage supper of the Lamb. And he said to me, These are the true words of God. Then I fell at his feet to worship him. And he said to me, You must not do that. I am a fellow servant with you and your brethren who hold the testimony of Jesus. Worship God, for the testimony of Jesus is the spirit of prophecy. Testimony of Jesus. When you next hear a sermon on the internet, you judge it by this criteria, will you? Can you hear the testimony of Jesus coming through <laughs> I am. I am the beginning and the end. I am the first and the last. I was dead. I have the keys. Judge the sermon by that criteria. For next time you hear a prophecy, and they're very rare nowadays in the churches, I'm sorry to say, even the church is called Charismatic and Pentecostal. I know fellow preachers, and I sometimes ask this question, does he ever prophesy? Does he know the spontaneity of the spirit where Jesus rises up and speaks through him, I am, I am, I am, and he causes you to say, I am, I am. I am, I was dead, I've died, I've died, yet I live. I love it when Paul gives this sort of testimony. I have been crucified. Nevertheless, I live, yet not I. I, 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 all these sloppy choruses that are being written nowadays. Oh, I'm this, I'm that, I'm the other. We need to find some people who can write some good tunes to some of the old hymns where you have the testimony of Jesus coming through. Oh, I am. Testimony of Jesus is the spirit of prophecy. It's the very spirit of it. I think this is one of the major criteria for me, why I won't listen to certain things. I'm listening to hear that note. Let me tell you this. Last night, I caught 10 minutes on YouTube of a man, some kind of priest in the Roman Catholic Church. He had CC after his name. I don't know what CC means. And uh, he was dressed in finery and so on, but he was preaching six minutes and he says, don't worry about evangelism. Don't worry about going out in your great ministry. He says the first thing that you should be involved in is intimacy with Jesus Christ. You must know Jesus Christ, and he is calling you to holiness of life. And he, his tone was like that. And the testimony of Jesus was coming through. All of your evangelism will come out of that. All of your service will come out of that. Are you intimate with Jesus? And so he went on like this, six minutes. That's all it was, a snippet of his message. The Lord is calling you to be holy to Him, holy to Him, sold out to Him, just His. That's the testimony of Jesus coming through. Coming through a voice that perhaps you would not expect it to come through, but it was coming through loud and clear. And I could hear the prophetic note. The testimony of Jesus is the spirit of prophecy, the very spirit of it. Prophecy is not all about swans and wings and little rabbits popping out of burrows and some of the things that you hear, I've heard through the years. It's this masterful word. Fear not, I am. Amen. It's five to two, my time. Five to ten, Malaysia time in the evening. Five to nine, Canadian time in the morning. Is that right? Amen. Blessed be the name of the Lord that we've been together this morning. Mm. Blessed be the name of the Lord. You have his testimony, don't you? Stand your ground. Stand your ground, my brother. Stand the ground, my sister. When the old enemy, the old serpent dragon accuses you, stand your ground. Stand your ground. Mm. You're his. Hallelujah. Bear that testimony. Bear it clear. In Jesus' name, Amen. Father, we thank you. Our time is gone, I know, Lord. And I've been a long while speaking this morning. Oh, but we give you thanks, dear Father, that you've begotten us again to a living hope through our Lord Jesus Christ. And you have done more for us than justified us. Lord, you have glorified us. You have made us your sons. You have brought us into your life and you've put your life in us. We have your DNA in us, Lord. We are yours. And we are to live for you on the brazen altar living sacrifices and join the hosts of those who've gone before us some of whom their souls cry out from under the altar Lord, oh Lord and to them is comfort given to wait until everything is finished and the last one is gathered in Oh, Lord, and all your family is complete. <coughs> what things for us to consider this morning, Lord? Oh, rise up in every breast, I pray here. Rise up in every heart, mm. O oh, living Christ. Let the testimony clear and wondrous be sounding in the midst of a very troubled world. Oh, you said I've come to find my sheep. So help us to live in the midst of all things, Lord. Whatever comes our way, help us to stand true so that it may be written of us. A true and faithful witness. Mm. A true and faithful witness. Glory, glory, glory. <clears throat> lord look upon us with your mercy we pray lord as our bodies some of us are growing much older and mm-hmm. all that kind of things and perhaps for some of us uh, our minds are getting a little forgetful but lord we pray for the invigorating of your life mm-hmm. rising up in us sometimes surprisingly Oh, with all the gladness and all the joy and all of the sense of eternal purpose into which we've been brought, we would lay hold of eternal life in these days, Lord, as never before in our days, laying hold of eternal life, letting this temporal life and its values find its proper level, Lord, lest we be overtaken by it. Oh Lord, we pray, encouraging one another. Lord, Lord Jesus, we pray in mm-hmm. your name and we speak to you, our Father. We are of God, little children. Hallelujah. This is the lovely word that dear John writes, and he says this to us all. See what love the Father hath bestowed upon us that we should be called sons of God, and so we are. 1 John 3.1 See what love the Father hath bestowed upon us that we should be called sons of God, and so we are. That's the reason why the world does not know us, because it did not know Him. Beloved, we are God's sons now. It does not yet appear what we shall be, but we know that when He appears, we shall be like him, for we shall see him as he is. Hallelujah. Mm. There's a word for us all. So we are. So we are. <laughs> Sons of God. Hallelujah. Ken, would you like to pray? Ken, blessed be your name, Lord. Amen. Amen. Yeah. Amen. Mm. Thank you, Father. Yeah, my mind is full, Lord, in a sense, Lord, but yet my inner man cries out, more, more, more. Mm. You, Father, more of, more of that recognition of your sonship that calls. Holds to my heart, Lord. <laughs> I want more, Lord. I want to know you more. There's something about, Lord, what you've done in me, Lord, that's insatiable in one sense, Lord. But I want mm-hmm. more. Hallelujah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Thank you, yeah. Father. Yeah. And Amen. Amen. Amen.